good day to be indigenous. Get up, stand up. They are going to become more brutal. Couldn't cut, didn't cut again. Because all the hippies were trying to be Indians anyway. They're going to become more repressive because it's a matter of dollars and their illusionary concepts of power. Hey, Victor. We must live in balance with the earth. And also with recent happenings at Wounded Knee. I am awake. Welcome to Native Roots Radio Presents I'm Awake, and I'm your host, Wakanja Hade. Aho, hey, Kargi. Welcome to all of our friends and relatives in four directions. You are listening to Native Roots Radio Presents I'm Awake. We discuss local and national Native news and events here on Native Roots Radio. This portion of the show is supported by Native Roots Radio Network on Patreon, supporting honest Native news, stories and events from Natives themselves, Native Roots Radio Network on Patreon. Today we have an awesome lineup of guests for you, but I want to quickly introduce or um, let our guest host introduce themselves. That's me. Um, I'm taking over the show today. Robert is on a plane and I always love to be able the opportunity to come on and share what I'm doing. But some of the work that I get to do um, is with my friends. So I'm Heather Keeler, state representative for District 4A in Moorhead. Um, but I'm so much more than that. I'm, I'm a spud mom. I do a lot in the community, public speaker. I just actually signed up to do door dashing. And so I'm a, a woman of many traits, really. But um, when I got the opportunity to bring some guests on, I thought, what else than some of my classmates? Um, a lot of us are going into our third reelection. And it's kind of crazy to think that um, me and Cedric were just talking about like how young our kids were when we ran first and how that plays a role in it. So my first guest is actually my seatmate on the House floor, which means we get into a lot of trouble <laughs> together. Good trouble. Um, but we have Cedric Frazier joining us today. Hey, Ced. Hey, hey, Heather, how are you doing? Uh, glad to be here. Um, I represent District 43A, which is in the Northwest Burbs, uh, the cities of New Hope and Crystal. And it's crazy that we're going into election cycle for a third term. It seems like we just came in yesterday. And I'm sure a lot of that had to do with the fact that we came in in the middle of a pandemic. Right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the times are crazy, man. And they, the time sure has flown by, but had a lot of fun with you, Heather. I know. Well, I was thinking, so like, you know, this show, we really reach out and talk a lot about what we're doing with Indigenous you know, communities and stuff. And one of the very first times we even did anything together was before we were sworn in. Remember, we went up and we showed up with Winona LaDuke to try to stop line three. Um, tell me, like, as you reflect on that, what was that moment like for you? And kind of how did that launch the way that you show up? Because you're a huge ally in the work that we do, you know, supporting yeah. our tribal nations and tribal yeah. communities. Yeah, well, you know, I always think a big part of the work that we do is about showing up, uh, showing up for those that we represent, showing up for those that we advocate for um, when they need us in those moments to show that they're not alone and to amplify um, the situations or the struggles that they're going through to try to put resources there or just get them the support that they need. You know, one thing I remember about that was one, it was cold. It was. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, and I remember uh it, when we were there causing good trouble and we were pushing back on some of the private hired security that they had that i think was from texas mm -hmm. um that was trying to get us to leave the spot and thinking and, and i think they, they they actually called state um authorities on us and i thought yeah we might get arrested today yeah but i didn't have but there was no fear you know it was about we were in the right place at, at, at the right moment doing what we should be doing i mean the reason we were running was was for that specific reason to ensure that we were going to be able to help people and uh that's that's the what i take away take away from that day mm -hmm. well and now you sit talk about the committees that you sit on and how just some of those experiences really shape the conversations that you're able to have and lead and some of the maybe even amendments you know that you've put into some of your bills with with that community in mind well I, you know i i sit on the uh, public safety committee i sit on the education policy committee I sit on the uh, Judiciary Committee and I sit on the uh, the Economic Development Committee. And, and obviously all of those things, when we think about the issues that we face in our state <clears throat> in terms of, of disparities that particularly impact our indigenous communities and our black and brown communities, uh, most of our work, large part, most of our work is trying to figure out ways to disrupt and to reverse those, uh, you know, those type of uh, disparities that we have in our state. And I think from a public safety perspective, I'm always trying to ensure that we focus on the way that whatever our policies are doing, 
that they maintain the sovereignty of our tribes, but also access, provide access to the resources that we're putting in those spaces. And I know you and I often ask you, um, or rep, or chair back or fed, um, you know, in terms of trying to get a, really make sure I have a good pulse and a good understanding of what's needed. And, and I know I often reach out and say, hey, uh, here's some policies that I'm thinking about. I need to talk to a tribal leader to, to see how this may impact them or if there's something that I'm not paying attention to that would impact the way the tribes are, are going about their business. And uh, of course, you all have always been able to help me uh, make those connections and to make sure that we're creating policy that's going to be very helpful um, you know, for everyone in the state of Minnesota, but particularly for our, um, our, our sovereign tribes here. Mm -hmm. I think it is one thing we've done a better job at is those relationship building, you know, like deep, honest, truthful relationship building with our tribal leaders um, yes. and our urban Indian communities too. You know, 60% of our native population doesn't live on a reservation. They live in communities like ours. Um, and so I think that that's been really important. It's fun to have like a Native American caucus that there's enough of us that like it's not just one of us always answering the questions. But I think it's created an ability for us to really have this strong allyship in the way that we maneuver. Um, OK, so I want to shift us a little bit. You know, we both have young kids in this work. And I think you're leaving because you got roped into being a dad and a coach somewhere. But you know, I think that the one thing about our class is that we're just kind of these real life parents living and breathing um, that parent experience in our communities. So talk a little bit about what that's been like. You know, your daughter was sitting on your lap. She was little in your first video. Yeah. You know, now they're almost four years older. So how are you balancing that? <laughs> how am I trying to balance that? Yeah. <laughs> I try very hard. I'll say that. Yeah, <laughs> it's it, it, it is a constant uh, something I have to pay constant attention to and focus on, um, and be intentional about it. But like like you said tonight, I'm helping to coach a basketball team for my nine year old. Um, uh, had not planned that, um, but you know people's schedules uh, come into play, and some folks couldn't uh, weren't able to fulfill that commitment. So uh, myself and my wife are stepping in to help do that. Um, and we're happy to do it because our daughter's dad, we wanted to have a, a good experience along with the other kids. But just in terms of, you know, because we are engaged um, as parents and we're, and we're younger, youngish parents, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> relatively yeah. speaking, um, when, we, when we're making policy, I mean, we're still going to uh, PTA meetings. We're still going to parent-teacher conferences. We're still getting those emails from school districts. So it's top of mind for us. And we understand what, what parents are going through and what student needs are. And I think it's very beneficial in terms of being able to uh, be in tune with and have a have your kind of finger on a pulse of what folks what folks actually need um, to, to make their lives better and to provide the best they can for their kids and to give our students the best opportunity possible in our educational systems. Mm -hmm. I agree. I feel like it's always crazy when we sit in these meetings or conversations. I would say particularly at like our education policy table. Both you and I sit at that table yep. together. Um, and there's a lot of times that people will say things and we just know like you're not in tune with the current day education system. Right. When it's like, oh, well, when my kid went to school 20 years ago, this is how it was. Well, that's not how it is anymore you know and so like one of the things that i take a lot of pride in out of the education policy committee was the fact that we did an entire article around um, indian education for mm. all and right. making sure that you know kids can wear their eagle feathers when they graduate that we can have traditional tobacco in schools because it's not commercial tobacco i mean there's spiritual understanding with that um but what are some of the biggest takeaways that you had um you know just in your first well, three years going into fourth year, um, and kind of how do you plan to relaunch your reelection campaign? I mean, I think it's, it's just that, um, and I know we're, we're coming up with more time here. It, it is the the, 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 the the idea and the fact that we have the ability to bring these lived experiences into the room, right? And we're, we're, we're talking about making policy in real time to really address the needs of the people in Minnesota, and particularly our, our young people in, in Minnesota. And that's kind of what I'm what I'm going to take away from this, and and can that, let that continue to be the energy that pushes me into the next election cycle. Is that we've done a lot of we did a lot of work this past session. We're not right. going to go over all that. You can ask our other colleagues about it, but what I know is there's still a lot of work to be done. Right. So give us the website that people can check you out on your reelection campaign if they want to donate, volunteer, or anything like that. 
Okay, well, website uh, CedricFraser.org. Um, Check me out um, at uh, Cedric Frazier. All my social media pieces. Check me out. Follow me. Support. Um, ask me any questions. I will be responsive. Awesome. Thanks, Ed. All right, everybody. Good to see you. We got to take a quick break, but you are listening to Native Brits Radio Presents. I'm awake. Stay with us. I heard sex trafficking happens a lot in Indian country. What is that? Here are some of the real reasons why sex trafficking happens in Indian country. Unequal gender roles that were forced on us by colonization. Communities don't have enough resources. Silence around domestic and sexual violence. Lack of attention and justice for missing and murdered indigenous people. There's a lot of behavior that keeps our communities out of balance. These are just a few true reasons why native communities are targeted by traffickers. When these acts of violence happen in our communities, it opens us all up for exploitation. Sponsored by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition. Hey, if you're like a lot of people, you're probably relieved that the holiday celebrations are over. But there's one thing that might stay with us from the holidays besides all those gifts, and that's COVID-19. Numbers from COVID are going up as we spend more time inside. And Native Americans are seeing even bigger case spikes. With all the indoor celebrations over the holidays, you may have unknowingly been exposed to someone with COVID-19. That's why it's important to stay vigilant. If you notice any symptoms like a fever, a tickle in the throat, or heavy fatigue, take an at-home test. They're still free and can be ordered at sayyeshometest.org. If you do test positive, you're eligible for free treatment, and no health insurance is required. Visit health.state.mn.us to connect with providers and receive your treatment. Let's make 2024 the healthiest year ever, securing a brighter future for our Native community. One year ago, I was in the accident which nearly killed me. The last year has been a lot of work recovering, and positivity has been a key. Staying positive, I no longer refer to the accident as an accident, but rather the day my Toyota Sienna from Rudy Luther Toyota saved my life. That's a factual statement, and the main reason why I'll always own one for the rest of my life. Some places will talk about auto safety, but I'm a living example of why you and your family can trust a Toyota from Rudy Luther Toyota. Go test drive one today and try the hybrids. They're fantastic. Rudy Luther Toyota on 394 in Golden Valley. Hi, this is Representative Sharice Davids from Kansas. I'm Ho-Chunk, and you're listening to Native Roots Radio. And we're back to Native Roots Radio Presents. I'm awake, and this is Robert Pilot. This portion of the show is supported by Native American Community Clinic, or NAC, in Minneapolis. Yay, and we're back. I'm taking over. Robert's not here. He's on a plane. Representative Heather Keeler taking over the show tonight with my friends. So now I'm switching over to Representative Emma Greenman. We just fi- finished up with Cedric. Hi, Emma. Hi there. I have to follow Cedric. You do. <laughs> yeah. And you're setting it up for Athena. So that's how great this entire show is. Teamwork right? makes the dream work. It really does. So Emma, tell us a little bit about what district you serve. Um, and kind of maybe tell us a little bit about the committees that you sit on. Yeah, and thank you. I'm I'm really excited to be here. I'm really glad uh, you organized this, and I'm I count myself lucky to be one of your friends that you uh, when you take over radio, you invite um, uh, uh, me to be on. So um, I am um, Emma Greenman. I represent 63B, which is uh, South Minneapolis, sort of the south side of Minneapolis. It's it's the area I grew up in. Um, uh, everywhere from Minnehaha Falls all the way um, uh, Lake Nokomis, Lake Hiawatha. Um, it's a it's a great area. I actually spent all after all day with our junior high kids at Justice Page, and so it's a, a wonderful. I will rep our uh, my great district. Um, I am a voting rights lawyer, and so in the legislature, I do a lot. I'm the vice chair of the elections committee. Um, I am on the labor committee, which is a place that's really important to me. Uh, workers' rights. I'm on the veterans committee, and I actually have the Minneapolis Veterans Home and the Veterans Hospital in my district. Um, and then I am on education finance because uh, uh, working with with Representative Keeler with Heather um, on education policy and education finance is such an important part of our caucus and what we do. And so uh, it's my first year on education finance, but I'm I'm glad to be there. Yeah. So one of the things that I always think about when I think of you is like democracy. Right. And I mean, you can't think about 
Emma Greenman and not think about democracy. And as an indigenous person, you know, I grew up in a world where we were told, um, you know, that our tribal IDs didn't count and we couldn't vote. And, you know, it's interesting how much I learned that those were all lies. You know, those were all things that were really like voter discouraging tactics. Um, and so I think before we really move on, are there some things that you want to share with our communities just that are important for them to know? You know, we're all going into our reelection in November of 2024. But I do think that there's just healthy reminders for us to know, like you do have voting rights. Um, and what are some of those just so that you know and are aware of them? Yeah, And I have appreciated even before we were elected, I think you invited me up to I think we did a Zoom in Moorhead on voter engagement. And so much of this is about ensuring that folks, uh, that we create an inclusive environment where folks uh, um, know uh, um, the laws, know their rights, know their eligibility, and also feel comfortable and welcomed into the process. Because so much of it um, uh, um, is about actually people feeling like I, when I show up to vote, or when I need to get registered for the first time, when it's the first time I participate, that I um, feel comfortable, I feel I can stand in my power. Um, and there are people around me, there are both not just elected officials, but election workers um, and community around me that um, that support me. And so I really appreciate the, the work you do um, in Moorhead and around the state. Um, I know that um, in Minnesota, when we talk about um, ensuring that everybody can vote, we have high voter participation, but we also know that our disparities, um, our generational disparities, our BIPOC disparities, our disparities with Native uh, versus white voters um, is real and has an impact on our political process. And so it is all of our jobs to, to build that um, inclusive, uh, multiracial, multigenerational uh, politics. And I'm, I'm, I followed Cedric, but Cedric and I and our other colleague, Liz Bolden, started this inclusive democracy caucus in the legislature in order to do that, to say, um, I'm a voting rights lawyer, so I talk about this all the time, but my goal is to turn everybody into um, champions in their own community to ensure that we're doing that. So folks should know, um, and we changed a bunch of laws this year that should make uh, create make voter registration a bridge, not a barrier to registration. So if you're 16 or 17, you can pre-register to vote. Um, kids in our high schools. And if you have 16 or 17 year olds, if you're a teacher with 16 and 17 year olds, or if you are a 16 or 17 year olds, uh, getting um, uh, pre-registered to vote. So then when you turn 18, you'll automatically be registered to vote. We also have now um, uh, rolling out automatic registration. So if you get your ID card, uh, your driver's license, um, and soon we'll be expanding that. Um, you, you, the government already has that information that they need to know your citizen, your um, where you live, and and how old you are. Um, uh, Making registration that that. Um, and then you brought up um, uh, IDs, and, mm -hmm. and there's a cook, and we can probably pot in the chat um, um, on the Secretary of State's website. But we have made it really inclusive about what you uh, can bring and use um, in order to, to be able to, for the first time you're, you're registering, uh, to show you say uh, uh, where you, you live, you say you say you are. Um, we do not have a voter ID for folks. What we're talking about is um, uh, if you want a same day register, um, there's a set of ways that you can prove your your um, your uh, residency um, and your identity, but um, that's just to where where to start. Yeah. So you can use your tribal ID to vote yeah. in Minnesota. That is not something that um, anybody should be telling you. Um, make sure that you do know and understand that. Um, so you you talked a little bit about joining the education finance world. You know, I come from education as an Indian education liaison and said, and I just talked about some of the policy stuff. But, um, you know, we implemented a lot, especially around the Indian education for all um, curriculum. We put money into those programs. Talk to us a little bit about, you know, what allyship means when it comes to creating a more, you know, inclusive, indigenous infused education system border to border in Minnesota. Yeah, this is where my um, democracy framework uh, hits all the other work I do. You know, the way that we should be creating policy is hand in hand with Minnesotans, with the folks in our district, with the folks who are impacted, with the folks who have been left out of the process. And so the best way to, to know and understand um, and, and think about what we should be doing um, is not just to ask, but just to do it together. 
right, to, to set priorities together. We know we are a big, broad, diverse state. And one of our jobs, one of the hardest parts of our job, um, uh, that Heather and I and said, and Athena all um, represent different areas of the state. And we serve with people who represent very different areas of the state. And some of our job is really to, to have to be able to understand and to, to reach out and to center the folks who are actually not just in our districts, but who are impacted uh, uh, by these policies. And I think that when we talk about infusing um, that vote, that, that, that um, priority, we're also talking about the voice, right? And not just the um, amazing Heather Keelers of the world or the Leish Kozlowski's of the world, but also the folks, um, the folks who are impacted, the students, the teachers, the families, the parents, the, um, uh, you know, I did a lot of work with hourly school workers, but, and we made sure that um, on our, our campuses and in our um, uh, tribal colleges, those folks were uh, protected when we do all the other work we do. And so listening to all the folks who are impacted, um, which is, you know, an important part of our job and our work. And I think that's how we reach the best policy decisions. Um, because it's how we understand where where um, where we need to go and what we should be doing and bringing those communities together, right? Um, mm -hmm. One of the things I will say that I'm I, I've told Heather this a lot, but I'm really really proud of the MIFPA um, bill that we passed. But one of the things I'm most proud of is is how we passed it and how. Um, particularly through Heather's leadership, and I'm not just saying this because I'm on with you, um, you've heard me say this before, but it, it was an opportunity to really engage our entire, all of our communities. We did some work in my own community of really understanding our history um, and how it systemically impacts the now and how we need to change that. Um, and that bill, I think, allowed us to have a conversation that um, that was deeper and and is educational and also um, uh, um, activating as we move forward. And so that is my long-winded way of the way that we uh, do this is centering the people who are impacted by the policy we create. Right. I think you bring up a good point because MIFBA, which is the Minnesota Indian Family Preservation Act, is was the Minnesota version of the national ICWA um, when it was under Supreme Court jurisdiction. And we just didn't know what was going to happen that you know, I really took it back to my roots of just educating people about Indigenous history and why it was so important. You know, a lot of people don't know that Indigenous people are the only politically protected class of people. Um, and that, you know, we've had generations and decades of the government trying to dissolve us as humans. Um, and so really getting a full green board in the House in the middle of session came because we educated each other. And it was, you know, in my not in my representative hat in my other world when I do my two feathers educating. It is amazing to me how much people just didn't learn about us in the education system and how that plays out in their decision making factors. Right. And so, um, you know, we're educating grown adults about things that we should be learning in our K-12 systems. And so um, I do appreciate that you continue to help educate your community about that work um, because education is really a lifelong thing. So quickly before we wrap up. I just want to say on that after yeah. spending all day with the junior high, they yeah. have a year of Minnesota history that I didn't have when I in the same school district. But also, and when I asked, when I was asking seventh and eighth graders, what do you talk about? What they said was, we talk a lot about the history of Minnesota as uh, Dakota and Ojibwe land. Yeah. And it was just like coming out, but that was not the education. I grew up in, we had a pretty liberal education, but I did not have that. And so that it's, it is really exciting to see that actually change the next generation of education. Cause I think it'll change the next generation of policymaking and government and democracy. Yeah. And it's representation, you know, like as indigenous people, we have to see ourselves in these spaces and we have to talk honestly about it. So um, thank you, Emma, for joining me. I know you're headed off to another event because as you always do, you stay very busy and very active, but quickly give us your information. If somebody wants to support you in your reelection campaign, how can they find that for you? Um, my uh, campaign website is Emma Greenman. Um, uh, uh, Emma Greenman, um, dot com. <laughs> um, <laughs> I gotta get used to that. <laughs> Emma Greenman dot com. Um, or you can fi find me on Twitter or Facebook at Emma Greenman. 
Um, and yeah, we are always looking for, you know, in a district like mine, we're also doing a lot of work to support uh, folks like Heather and others, and also to make sure that at the top of the ticket, we have good pro-democracy, pro-worker, pro-family um, uh, candidates that are, that are going to do right by our people. Sounds good. We got to wrap up. We'll be back in a minute. Thanks, Emma. Thank you. Unveil the captivating world of Native photography at the Minneapolis Institute of Art. Their new exhibit, In Our Hands, Native Photography 1890 to Now, turns the camera around and puts Native photographers in control, featuring hundreds of photographs captured by generations of First Nations, Métis, Inuit, and Native Americans. You'll view the world through their lens, revealing the beauty and complexity of Indigenous heritage. Don't miss this incredible experience. Visit In Our Hands at the Minneapolis Institute of Art, now through January 14th. For more info, visit artsmia.com. Hi, I'm Claudia with Minsure, Minnesota's official health insurance marketplace. With Minsure, you can compare health plans from multiple companies and get free help from a trusted expert. Whatever health plan you choose with Minsure, it's guaranteed to cover essential benefits so you can get the care you need. See if you qualify for discounts available only through Minsure. If you need quality, comprehensive health insurance, get started now at Minsure.org. As we age, it's important to invest in our health and to help protect it. Like the flu, COVID-19 is always changing. That's why it's important to stay up to date on your vaccines. By getting the flu and COVID-19 vaccines, you can renew your body's defenses and lower the risk of getting sick. Get your health boost and protect yourself against the flu and COVID-19. Find vaccines near you at vaccines.gov. That's vaccines.gov. Hi, I'm Claudia with Minsure, Minnesota's official health insurance marketplace. With Minsure, you can compare health plans from multiple companies and get free help from a trusted expert. Whatever health plan you choose with Minsure, it's guaranteed to cover essential benefits so you can get the care you need. See if you qualify for discounts available only through Minsure. If you need quality, comprehensive health insurance, get started now at Minsure.org. As we pack away the ornaments and bid farewell to the holiday season, it's time to unwrap the gift that keeps on giving, getting protected by a COVID-19 vaccination. This is your chance to make a difference, especially as our Native communities face higher COVID numbers. Those higher numbers underscore the need for collective action. So answer the call and get vaccinated. The latest vaccines are not just authorized, but they're proven effective against the current variants. This is extra protection, even if you've already had previous vaccines, since previous vaccines will eventually wear off. Plus, the new shots are FDA approved for ages six months and up. A COVID vaccine is not just a shot. It's a pledge to safeguard the wisdom and stories handed down by our elders. So join the movement, get vaccinated, and make 2024 the healthiest year ever ever securing a brighter future for our Native community. For more information, including details about clinics offering free vaccines, visit vaccines.gov. With a look at your AM 950 weather, I'm Patrick Lilia. Cloudy tonight with a low of 19, then snow expected Wednesday with a high of 26. Nightingale is your cozy, comfortable neighborhood bar and restaurant at 26th and Lindale in Minneapolis. Come in for the famous Nightingale burger or the ginger tamari chicken wings. View their menu or place a takeout order at nightingalempls.com. You're listening to Native Roots Radio. This is Spirit from Reservation Dogs. Get up and listen. Welcome back to Native Ritz Radio Presents. I'm Awake, and this is Robert Pilot. This portion of the show is supported by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition. Hello, everyone. It's Heather Keeler taking over the show. Robert's on a plane, um, and we're making this fun. Um, But before our next guest comes on, um, just because my friends are busy people and they're always moving around, Um, I kind of wanted to take a minute and me and Haley were talking about like, what do we want to talk about? And I think the number one thing on our mind is Lily Lily Gladstone. I mean, come on. We got a comment here. Nancy, Nancy wants to hear about Lily Gladstone as well. I mean, and and this wouldn't be Native Brits Radio if we if we didn't acknowledge the huge uh, 
monumental win for Lily Gladstone at the Golden Globes this year. Um, you know, I think uh, a lot of people watched this. Um, I know that CBS reported uh, the highest ratings in years at 9.4 million viewers. And I think this is because almost every Native person probably across Turtle Island was tuning in. Right, Heather? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's this piece, we always talk about representation and how much that matters. And, um, you know, she started her acceptance speech in her language. And I just always get so emotional. Like, it's not a language I necessarily have to understand or my own, but there's something that's so powerful, right, about seeing somebody like you um, get up in a space and speak their language so powerfully. And what I loved the most about that is that she gave a lot of credit to her mom and she talked about like how her mom really pushed her school district to provide language in the schools so that they didn't lose that. Um, and so, I don't know, I feel like I cried like the couple times that I've watched her speech because the first time, you know, we're just so in awe that somebody who looks like us is in this space and celebrated, um, you know, which I think when we're not seen in spaces, I've always said it subliminally tells us that we don't belong. Um, and I don't know, it was so powerful. Did you cry? Tell me that you cried. I oh my gosh. I, I don't know a person that didn't cry. I mean, yeah. I, I recorded her whole speech and I was just anticipating it. I knew she was going to win just had that feeling, you know, as indigenous people, you can kind of, you know, anticipate some some type of news. But mm -hmm. yeah, I, I cried. I didn't post the speech that I recorded because you could hear me crying in the background. But um, yeah, I know, you know, Lily Gladstone, Blackfeet Nation is out here making her story, not history, but her story. And mm -hmm. um, she won best performance by a female actor in a motion picture drama for The Killers of the Flower Moon this past Sunday night. And yeah, you know, you know, in her quote, she says, this is for every little res kid, every little urban kid, every little native kid out here mm -hmm. who has a dream. And, um, you know, I don't know if you noticed this, too, but the film uh, Killers of the Flower Moon itself didn't take home any of the awards they were nominated for. And neither did Martin uh, Scorsese. So, um, yeah, it was her. It was her. Right. I love the pictures that were like here's Lily and some guy, you know what I mean? It's like, finally, yeah. you know, we're in the spotlight and we're able to share our story. But I, I do love that part of her speech because, you know, 60% of our population lives off the reservations. And I think there's a lot of us, um, you know, I identify as an urban Indian. Um, my parents moved off the reservation before I was born in hopes to like create a better healthcare system for the state I was growing up in. And so I do really love that she, used her words so powerfully to bring us all together because often within our own population, you know, we do kind of see that divide, I guess. And so I, I loved it. It was an extremely inspiring. And I hope that we use her words for a long time as the reminder of, you know, what we can be um, and how we can show up. The other thing, I don't know if you caught this. I didn't realize that, you know, they said, that in the past, what they did is they would have people just say their lines forward and then reverse it and say that that was like the native language. Like, how crazy is that? Yeah, I didn't know that either. I feel like there could have been um, at least a bit more effort when trying to portray uh, native language because it's so different. I mean, each tribe kind of has its own language and it's very different. And language is, you know, it's hard to learn, but um, language is culture back. It is everything. It is healing. And just to be able to speak a little bit of your language in front of, you know, a crowd of people as powerful and important in our society as that, I mean, that was huge. And, you know, I've heard it too. You know, um, if you're not confident and you don't know much of your language, speak it anyways. Right. Because no one else is. And your ancestors are always going to be proud of you for trying. Um, I don't know if you caught this too, Heather, but um, the host, uh, Joy, uh, Joy Coy was the host. And um, in his opening monologue, he said, what I did learn from that movie was that white people stole everything. You stole the land, the oil, the entire premise of the movie. And I, I thought that was hilarious. I know Martin Scorsese's daughter next to him did not look too pleased, but I, on the other hand, had a pretty good laugh. I mean, it is what it is, right? That's the truth. And we have to be able to say what it is. It's kind of like, you know, we were just talking about Indian education for all and being honest about, you know, the history of things. And I really love that we're showing up on the big screen with our stories, um, you know, and our humor. And we think of reservation dogs too, right? I mean, we're starting to see, um, shows and movies that show up with us. I follow some different groups that are actually looking for um, indigenous 
um, actors and actresses. And they're very firm that you have to be from that community and speak that language and that we're not just like finding people to play our role, that we're actually like finding us to step into those um, spaces. And I think it's, you know, it's just another component of really educating, um, you know, the entire nation, really. Yeah, exactly. Great point. And I think, too, just you saying that kind of reminds me of shortly, it wasn't too long ago, we had uh, George McCauley on, who was an extra in Killers of the Flower Moon. And um, he talked about in his interview how many people, how many non-natives showed up to play native characters in this movie, Killers of the Flower Moon. And um, the directors and everyone just immediately took one look at him and said, nope, Mm -mm. turn you away. And they took, you know, all of the real native actors into a separate room. And it was quite surprising to hear that. Um, We have a question here. Don wants to know which award uh, Lily Gladstone won. Lily Gladstone uh, took home... uh, Best uh, actor. Uh, sorry, she's uh, she took a performance by a female actor in a motion picture mm-hmm. drama. So, uh, yeah, we're just really, really proud of Lily. And I know, too, Lily uh, was in her high school yearbook voted most likely to win an Oscar. Really? So, yeah, mm-hmm. there's a picture of her in her yearbook, um, a young little teenager holding. Well, she wasn't holding the fake Oscar. The, the guy voted uh, best actor <laughs> was what? holding it. But. I mean, I'm just waiting for the day uh, that Lily does uh, take home the Oscar. Uh, the 2024 Oscar nominations will be announced on January 23rd, which would be an even more monumental victory for Lily in Turtle Island if she took home Best Actress in a Leading Role. Uh, this is coming from Indigenous TV via Instagram, but this year's Academy Awards will take place on Sunday, March 10th, with Jimmy Kimmel expected to host. So... Um, I'll be tuning into that and hopefully a lot of people across Turtle Island as well. Yeah, I think it's beautiful how we show up to support each other, too. Like, we don't know her. Like, I don't know her. I've never met her. But all of a sudden, I'm like the biggest fan and I'm cheering from afar. And I think that that's something that's really beautiful, too, is, you know, in this world sometimes where we kind of pull each other down and, you know, we're really self-destructive sometimes that it's I think it's beautiful to watch us lift each other up and celebrate the wins and. Um, you know, just be in this moment really together as one nation. Um, I, I think it's wonderful. And also, you know, it is a message to the next generation and the little girls and the, you know, the little queer people out there, because she is two spirit as well, is that like we do belong in these spaces. And, you know, when people bust through those glass ceilings, um, you know, we're making space for the next generation. And so I'm just so proud. And I feel like you know, my cousins out there doing these really great things, my relatives out there doing these really wonderful things. So I think we need to take practice that we really lift each other up as well. Yeah, especially as women, too. I know we've had I mean, there's so many great Native actors that come to mind, you know, like Wes Studi and all of them, Mm -hmm. those iconic ones and Dallas Goldtooth and, uh, you know, Bobby Wilson. But Lily, I mean, I don't know if I've seen this big of representation in female um, indigenous spaces, especially especially film. Um, And it's just as huge to see this representation, not only in film, but across everything, you know, just like you rep, you know, Heather Keeler in office and Mm -hmm. we need it everywhere. And I don't know if you have been paying attention or if you're much of a hockey fan, but we have four native women uh, that are now in the PWHL, which is huge. So representation matters everywhere. So the WPHL stands stands for Professional Women's Hockey League. Yeah, I didn't know that, but I do love that. I mean, we saw that, you know, in other sports too, that we kind of break through and show up in spaces. Um, It's just, I don't know. I just love that we're being seen um, in spaces in a world that, you know, people literally try to eliminate us and it shows our resiliency to come through and really show that we're current day people. We're not just pieces of history. Um, Like we're making history and we're, we're building, you know, next generation that I think can be very proud of what, what we've all accomplished Um, and continue to accomplish in these, I don't know, trying times, beautiful times, wonderful times. Exactly. Have you seen, I don't know. So did you mention if you have or have not seen Killers of the Flower Moon yet? No. So I, I've tried, I think part Mm -hmm. of it though is, you know, these, it's hard for us to watch some of these things. Um, and I think we have to protect our own trauma. We have to protect our own mental health. And so for me, I've just not really been in space to be able to give it the energy that I need emotionally. Um, but no, it, I mean, it's, the book is wonderful. 
And my mom watched it and she kind of gave me the heads up that like, for me, I'm such an empath and the way that I work and the way that I carry things. And I carry a lot of our communities like heaviness that, um, no, I have to be prepared. Mm -hmm. I just watched um, Lakota Nation versus United States, which Mm -hmm. was really hard to watch. But um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. no, it's it's on my watch list for sure. Yeah, I know it's a I chose to go see it um, in the theater and I went by myself. It was like one of the first days that it came out. And I don't know, I I wanted to support uh, the story, but I did not really take into account how traumatic, you know, some of the scenes were in there. And I know we just probably have a a minute left here, but um, I know it's going to be coming out on Apple TV. So keep an eye out for that if you haven't had the chance to see Killers of the Flower Moon. Yeah. And, you know, build that support network because it is hard. I mean, that is one thing that I've heard from our community is that it does, you know, really talk about the trauma um, that has been experienced. And so just making sure that you're in a good place and you have the people around you to love you as you kind of walk through that as well. Yes, absolutely. Well, Heather, I know we have uh, one more segment coming up after this next break that we're going to go to shortly. Do you want to announce who uh, who our last guest is here? Yeah, it's been really fun. So I'm bringing um, Athena Hollins on, Representative Hollins. Uh, she was also somebody else who was in my class. We all came in in the pandemic. And so um, it's always fun to kind of watch us grow together. But um, she's the whip of the house. And so we'll talk about what that actually means, what her roles are and what kind of some plans are moving forward in the next re-election that we all have. Awesome. Well, I know I'm looking forward to it. Hey, you're listening to Native Roots Radio Presents I'm Awake. We're here with uh, guest host, Representative Heather Keeler of Minnesota, and we'll be right back after this short break. Stay with us. Minnesota has the only original wolf population in the continental United States. And 80% of Minnesotans believe the wolf should be protected. Howling for Wolves is asking Minnesotans to respect our true wildlife manager, the wolf. Their survival is critical to our ecosystems, our communities, and even our economy. As highly intelligent animals with strong social bonds, Minnesota wolves deserve to be protected and admired. Learn more at howlingforwolves.org. Let's Let's live live and and let howl. Become a teacher and ignite change. Join the St. Paul Urban Residency Program to become a teacher in just 15 months. You can earn your master's degree and teaching license from the University of St. Thomas while earning a $30,000 stipend, single health care, and dental benefits. As an added bonus, next year's cohort, all residents will receive $20,000 towards their tuition. Apply now. Applications due February 28, 2024. Visit spps.org backslash s-u-t-r. JNS Bean Factory is a native-owned, community-supported, cozy, artsy coffee shop which offers roasted on-site beans, live music, and baked goods. Relax in the beautiful outside patio. City Pages writes, voted top 10 coffee shops. Tucked into a quiet corner of St. Paul's Highland Park neighborhood, this coffee shop roasts beans on-site from the best coffee-growing countries in the world. Located at 1518 Randolph Avenue, St. Paul. The good stuff. The city of Minneapolis is now on Native Roots Radio with Minneapolis AIR. AIR stands for American Indian Relations. Host Christine McDonald talks to people about important things affecting the city's Native communities. Minneapolis AIR dives into topics like public safety, public health, elections, and so much more. Tune in to Minneapolis AIR on Native Roots Radio from 5 to 6 p.m. on the second Wednesday of every month right here on AM 950. And we're back to Native Roots Radio presents I'm Awake, and this is Robert Pilot. This portion of the show is supported by Howling for Wolves, protecting wolves for future generations. How? Oh, you made me do it. I did it Mm -hmm. with you. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. This is Heather Keeler taking over. Robert's on a plane. I keep saying that. I don't even know. I mean, I physically saw him on a plane, so I know... I know he's on a plane. Um, our next guest is running a little bit late. Um, and so I guess I'll sort of fill in. I keep asking my guests what their reelection um, efforts look like and kind of what it's been like. And so 
Um, I am running for re-election. I feel like this is the time of year when we kind of talk about like who's retiring, who's going to run again. Um, but I do want to give a shout out to Jamie Becker Finn. Um, she's the chair yeah, of yeah. judiciary. Um, she's in the native caucus with us. Um, and she announced her retirement back in December. And um, not that she's watching in this moment, but I do want to give her a lot of credit. Um, she really sat in spaces as the only native in the House um, when Mary Kunish went over to the Senate. Um, and I know that that's hard, you know, being in this work and having to be the voice for really um, a really unique, beautiful community. is It's hard to do. Um, and I think she did a fantastic job and I'm sad that she's leaving, but I'm so grateful for the opportunity to have to work with her. Um, and so sort of left me no choice, right? Cause like two of us can't leave <laughs> at the same time. Um, right. and there's a lot of like wheels that were spinning, um, kind of in motion. So yeah, it's nuts that she's leaving, but, um, I am running again. And so Yay. I know, right. I kind of feel like. I'm half crazy, but also like, <laughs> it's fun um, to be able to do this. But some of the things that I think I'm the most like proud of is the work that we did. Like we mentioned earlier, we did indigenous education for all, um, you know, working in the schools. Haley, I saw, you know, administrators tell our kids they can't wear eagle feathers when they graduate or, mm. um, you know, just having funding to be able to support the needs that we had as students. Um, we, we really are addressing mascots and making sure that, you know, we don't have mascots in the state that are harmful to our communities. And so I think it's little wins like that that make it a little bit easier to go back and continue to do the work. But the coolest thing is that we made Indigenous Peoples Day a state recognized holiday um, and passed MIFPA into some pretty, I would say, solidified language so that our Native children can continue to be pr protected and placed with um, other Native families. Yeah, yeah. all really, all really great things. Um, and the whole uh, not being able to wear your eagle feather or, you know, I have a I have a really great, great question that I've been kind of meaning to pick your brain. I know we've talked about uh, mental health a lot with you on the show and you're a huge advocate for that as well as I am. Um, what would you say for someone who's trying to advocate um, maybe smudging in um, maybe like say a therapy setting uh, for some place, uh, you know, across the state that might not allow that in a building where um, healing is supposed to happen. Um, and as a cultural person, uh, you know, what would you, um, what advice would you give that person to kind of speak their voice and speak their truth? I mean, that's, that's an issue everywhere. I, we've been fighting, I have been fighting this battle with the healthcare systems for a really long time. Um, starting with just, I used to work um, for Sanford. I used to work for Urban Indian Health. And we talked a lot that, you know, our healing from our illnesses isn't always white man medicine. You know, I mean, we burn sage. Sage kills airborne bacteria. Um, you know, in the, in the 1978 Act for the Act of Native American Religious Act says that we are legally able to practice our spirituality, which comes with our medicine. Um, there's also exclusions in the fire code. So if you're ever being told like, well, no, we can't have fires in here. Um, this is a really unique way um, to kind of get into that. Like those are the barriers that people will tell you, but they're not real. Um, and so we've we've talked all, also a lot about, well, what do you think smudging is? Like, do you think people just start right. these big flames and it's like billowing smoke, which most of the time in healing practices um, it's not really like that. And so I think we just have to do a lot more education. I sit on the um, HHS conference committee, which is the human um, health and human services. And this is where we talk a lot about what we can do as medical practices. And I try to bring it up in that educational way that um, we have to be more mindful about how all of us really heal, um, especially with our mental health or our holistic well-being. And that includes our medicine. And if nothing else, you know, provide smudge kits or a space that we can go. You know, how many times do you, have you ever been to a hospital and they have a chapel there for you, you know, to go to? And so mm -hmm. I think we... I think we just have to keep pushing back on that narrative that says we can't um, because we we absolutely have the right to and we just have to continue to educate. But that's also why it's important that we show up in those spaces. Um, yeah. 
you know, like as therapists and as physicians and working in our medical field so that we can continue um, to advocate for that. Because you're right. It's one of those things that people say, oh, I don't like the smell of it or I don't want to do that. Or my other clients will be upset about it. And it's it's like so you're taking away what is best for me because you care so much about what everybody else is going to say doesn't necessarily help our mental health. Exactly. Yeah. And and the whole uh, fire code is is a excuse that I've heard a lot. Um, and it's, it's hard. And, and then, and then you're like, well, I'm expected to go outside, you know, in the winter to do this, um, healing when everyone else can be, can remain in the building. And, um, yeah, I think too, when you're the only native person in a space like that, it is kind of like, oh, I'm here to learn. I'm not, you know, here to educate people, but it's also like, you know, you kind of have a responsibility as the only native person in there to, you know, not, uh, you know, not like belittle and, but, you know, educate, you know, in a friendly way and stand up for your truth. And if not, you know, your ancestors truth and, and for the next native person to come through that building mm-hmm. or go through the program. So, yeah, uh, just thank you for your advice on that. And I hope, you know, that helps someone else out there too, maybe going through the same thing. It's always so hard because I feel like when you're the only indigenous person at a table, you know, you have to do so much more than just your job. You know, I see that a lot in the legislature. Like as a legislator, I'm there to make policy. I'm there to make sound decisions on our state budget. And often I end up educating all my colleagues and people at the table or like it never fails. Right. When there's a conversation happening about anything with our tribal nations or indigenous community, nobody else wants to say anything. But all eyes will turn and look at me or Leash yeah. or Jamie Becker Finn to like, yep give the native perspective. And so, I mean, it's, it, it is hard. And I know that that's daunting. And especially when you're the only one in a space um, that can, that can really feel like a lot to carry. Um, one thing I wanted to add back to that language piece, you made a really good point in the last segment. Um, and I don't know where my next guest is. My, we only have like a minute left. So I guess maybe we'll bring her on another time. Um, yes. but we do live in a busy world being legislators, but you know, you're right. Even if you don't speak your language perfectly or know it much, um, we have to get in a practice of at least trying. But I think that there is this barrier that even our elders or people who do speak the language fluently or better than us sort of criticize us. Um, you know, I've experienced that a lot, like that I didn't say this right, or you should say this, or why don't you introduce yourself like this? And I think we need to have a little bit more grace and patience with each other as we learn, because um, some of us are products of boarding school. Some of the assimilation did work for us, and we're trying so hard to get that back. And so um, I think within our own communities, we need to be a little bit more kind as we help our next generations or older people that are just trying to learn the language too, um, to really just help us show up in the best way and not, um, you know, like criticize us, but more help us because the language is hard. Um, It's, you know, it's, it's different. It's unique. It's beautiful, but um, I have seen that. And so I did kind of want to call that up a little bit more, but um, we're going to wrap up. Thank you, Haley, for joining with me and having conversation. I'm so excited that our guests were able to join. Um, and as always, I'll be back. But, you know, in my re-election, you can find me at Heather Four House. It's the number four. Um, but I'm always looking for these campaigns cost money, um, but they also take volunteers and just effort. And so anything anybody can do to help is always greatly appreciated. Thank you. Aww. Thank you, Heather. Big Pinagi. That was uh, Minnesota State Rep Heather Keeler with her amazing guests. Uh, Thank you for listening. You've been listening to Native Roots Radio Presents. I'm awake. We are still here. We are the next generation. We need to resist, divest, join a group, run for office, and free Leonard Peltier. Now.